The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. While some people were speaking about how the temple was adorned with costly stones and votive offerings, Jesus said, All that you see here, the days will come when there will not be left a stone upon another stone that will not be thrown down. Then they asked him, Teacher, when will this happen? And what sign will there be when all these things are about to happen? He answered, See that you not be deceived. For many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and the time is come. Do not follow them. When you hear of wars and insurrections, do not be terrified, for such things must happen first, but it will not immediately be the end. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be powerful earthquakes, famines, and plagues from place to place, and awesome sights and mighty signs will come from the sky. Before all this happens, however, they will seize you and persecute you. They will hand you over to the synagogues and to prisons, and they will have you led before kings and governors because of my name. It will lead to your giving testimony. Remember, you are not to prepare your defense beforehand, for I myself shall give you a wisdom in speaking that all your adversaries will be powerless to resist or refute. You will even be handed over by parents, brothers, relatives, and friends, and they will put some of you to death. You will be hated by all because of my name, but not a hair on your head will be destroyed. By your perseverance, you will secure your lives. The Gospel of the Lord. election is over. Thanks be to God. And I have to say it was a bit disheartening to go and vote this past Tuesday. To go into, uh, into the little poll booth and look down a rather lengthy list of presidential candidates and to see not one who really embodied a, a full Catholic approach. <laughs> Not to find one single person on the list that I could really put my trust whole and entire in to to really lead our country in accordance with the ways that Christ teaches us through our faith. And thinking about that and kind of praying with that through the course of the day and through the course of the days that have been since, it just continues to remind me that we're not made to be here. We're made to be elsewhere in heaven. And it's that reminder that so often we try to make earth into what it's not supposed to be. In response to so many of the, the, the political ads and such, it was interesting to see various people's responses uh, as I was watching them on Facebook. Facebook is the wonderful thing uh, to be able to see people's true opinions quite often. And it was, it was funny to see people's responses to basically the two uh, primary candidates, uh, Hillary and uh, Donald, uh, to be able to see the two of them and to be able to see that nachos or tacos were more often preferred as an option uh, to either of the presidential candidates on other fake ballots. But the one that caught me most of all 
that got a chuckle out of me, but also spoke to this same reality is one of them had a kind of a, a little fake political sign that said, Big Meteor from the Sky 2016. Big Meteor from the Sky. They were essentially saying that it would be better for us to just have it fall from the sky and end it all than to have our political candidates leading us. Which is a rather dramatic statement. But it's something that actually drives really well with the scriptures this weekend. Because that statement, as well as what the Lord Jesus speaks to us, is essentially the same. Is that this world will end. And we need to stop trying to make it what it isn't. In the gospel, we have the disciples are looking and they're marveling at the temple. The temple itself was one of the most beautiful things that anyone had ever seen. It was one of the great wonders of the world. And people would see it and just be in awe. The beautiful whitewashed stones and the, and the, the, the jewels and the adornments on it, the decoration, they said that whenever you saw it from far off, it glistened, it radiated with sunlight. A beautiful thing to behold. And the disciples are marveling at it, rightly so. And they're rejoicing in the, the beauty of this building. And in the midst of that, the Lord Jesus says, all this that you see, all this beauty, all of this goodness, everything that you're marveling at, there will come a day when not one stone will be on top of the other. It rattles them, as Jesus so often does. It shakes them and they, and they, and they wonder, Lord, what... When? Why? What are the signs? How, how can we know? And he gives a response, a prophetic response. He tells them there will be some who will come and claim to be myself. They may not claim to be Jesus, but they will claim to be Christ's saviors. If you follow me, I can make everything better. If you follow me, everything will be well. Do not follow them, he says. He says there will be wars and insurrections, famines and plagues, earthquakes and sights in the sky. These will be signs that it will come soon. And then last, the temple will fall. But before all these things, they will persecute you. They will lead you before governors and kings. They will lead you into prisons, your brothers and your sisters, your fathers and mothers, your friends. They will lead you before them. They will renounce you because of my name, and some of you will die. Frightening words. Quite a bit more to chew on than the disciples desired as they were simply marveling at the beauty of this, <laughs> of this building. And yet it's the word of Christ coming to them to warn them of what was coming. A prophetic message. And indeed it came to pass. Immediately following the, the death of Christ, we know that the disciples began to endure much persecution. That ten of the eleven, uh, other than Judas, were martyred for the faith. John died in exile. Then after the time of Jesus, there were some major events around the world. There were earthquakes and storms. Events in the sky. There were wars and insurrections. And in the year 70 AD, the Roman army came into Jerusalem and crushed the temple, destroyed it, 
pulled every stone off of the other one, just as Jesus had said. Everything he said came to pass, and exactly in the manner he described it. But it would be wrong for us to think that the Lord Jesus was describing one particular event and it's already happened, so we don't need to worry anymore. Because what happens whenever the prophets speak, and Jesus is a prophet, the greatest of the prophets, when the prophets speak, they prophesy almost always in two ways. One, an immediate manner, and secondly, something farther off in the distance that God alone knows, but they have a glimpse of. So often in the, in the Old Testament, the Old Testament prophets, they would, they would prophesy about one who was going to come and they would save the people. And so often it would be that there would be an immediate person. A new king would be raised up, a new prophet, a new judge would come and help the people of God. And they would be saved from their current crisis. But all of those ultimately pointed towards the coming of the Christ himself, Jesus. And in much the same way, Christ speaks of this temple. He says they will come and they will destroy. There will be persecutions of the people. There will be wars and insurrections. Ones who claim to be the Christ. There will be so many sights in the sky and then the temple will fall. We don't have to look around too, too far to find that much the same scenario is still taking place 2,000 years later. There's still persecution of the church, as I mentioned last weekend. Persecution of the members of Christ. Abandoned by their brothers and sisters, fathers and mothers and friends. And some of them die. There are still some who come among us and say, if you put your trust in me, I can help everything get better. I can make it all better. If you click the right button in the voting poll booth, all will be saved. All will be good again. Secular Christs who invite us to trust in them rather than our Lord. Ones who come and we recognize and we point out in the, in the world around us there are earthquakes and storms and sights in the sky. And all of this is simply to point out the fact that we're still waiting for another temple to fall. And it's the temple of this world as we understand it. This world that we live in today, again, it will end. And the day of judgment will come. Malachi prophesied. And so we listen to that call. And we have to respond the same way as the disciples were in those first days. Of course, we never know when the end will come. It could be 10 minutes from now. It could be 10,000 years from now. Our response right now, for every single one of us, should be exactly the same regardless. How do we respond? How do we respond to the reality that the Lord will come again in glory at some point? The Lord Jesus gives us a hint of the answer. He says, don't prepare your defense ahead of time, but trust me that I will give you the words. A lot of times whenever we hear the end of the world is going to come soon, I'm always intrigued by the ones who start gathering cans. As if gathering cans of green beans is going to save anything when the end of the world comes. (laughs) But a lot of times that's our approach, whether physically or spiritually speaking. We kind of try to to, to store up our goods so that when the Lord comes, I've already got everything planned out. I've got it fixed, Lord, don't worry. I've got my system down. But rather, he invites us to a radical trust. 
to always pre-plan for the last day, but to trust that he will guard us and lead us whenever it comes, if it comes in our lifetime. (laughs) So I want to invite you to a few specific things, how to prepare. One, go to confession. I've said it a thousand times, but so often I still sit in the confessional and pray. I pray my breviary, I pray my rosary, I pray my divine mercy chaplet, pray various other prayers, and I pray hoping that someday I won't have time to pray in the confessional because I'll be hearing confessions. Go to confession. It is the best way to prepare for the Lord. It cleanses all of our sins. What better way to prepare? To love the person in front of you. Whoever it is, to love them. Love them as if they were Christ Jesus himself. So many of the lives of the saints, they show us that we can love the other as Christ. They show us how to do it. Various saints, I recall, I forget, I forget their names, but there are several of them who they would go and they would serve in the hospitals. And there was one particular, I forget, again, I forget his name, but he would go from bed to bed asking for forgiveness for his sins from the people he was serving. <laughs> Some of them weren't even Christian. And he was begging them as if they were Christ to show him mercy because he loved them so much. He treated them as Christ. So much the same for us. In a world where there's an opportunity every 10 seconds to find a lack of charity, impatience with others, judgmentalism, and so much worse, to love the other as if they were Christ. Because indeed, in a sense, they are. Whatever you do to the least of these, you do to me. And who knows who the least among us is. And lastly is to pray, to pray daily and to pray intensely. A lot of times we content ourselves to, to offer up just our, our, our rote prayers, the, the memorized prayers, the Our Father's, Hail Mary's, Glory Be's, and, and various other things, which are good and holy. We should pray them. But we can't content ourselves to pray only them. We must have a living relationship with Christ so that when he comes, he knows us. And we know him. He knows the sound of our voice. And we know the sound of his. To be able to spend that time regularly in prayer. Certainly at Mass. But even in your own homes. Places that you find yourself through the course of the day. To speak to the Lord. There. Prayer doesn't have to happen exclusively in the chapel. (laughs) But to find ourselves with the Lord often. And to know that he is with us. Confession. Charity. Prayer. It's the basic elements. Prepare our hearts. As we come and reflect upon the end of times, as we reflect upon the Lord Jesus coming in his glory, we know too that there is one who comes along with an army who does not want us to draw close to Christ, Satan. 
He wants to pull us away from the Lord. He wants to pull us even the smallest bits of way from the grace of Christ. St. Peter describes in the scriptures as prowling around like a roaring lion waiting for someone to devour. A roaring lion waiting to pounce upon us and to consume our soul. And so we renounce him and we rebuke him. Today we choose Christ. So I want to invite you to pray with me uh, the prayer to St. Michael the Archangel. It's a prayer composed by Pope Leo XIII a little over a century ago. It's a prayer that calls upon St. Michael, whose name means who is like God. It's a mockery of Satan, Satan who thinks himself like God. And Michael comes and says, who is like God? Not you. Not you. And so we call upon St. Michael to be with us as we go forth in battle today, to be able to allow our hearts to be filled with the charity and love of Christ, which comes forth from the Holy Eucharist, and to be able to go forth and to love Christ as he loves us. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen.